have a bone to pick with y'all. Can we pick a bone real quick? Here's the bone I have with all of y'all, okay? I spent like 25 hours on my sermon every week, right? My wife spent like 30 minutes creating this banner. And all of y'all thought the banner was amazing. That's all I've heard all week long is what a great job she did on the banner. 30 minutes. 30 minutes is what it took. But anyway, so here's what this, this, here's what this helps us with and understand. And I can get in that camera over there as well. So the order of life says this. Everything starts with words. Words are a first. Words are a first cause. Everything started with God's word. Your destiny began with God's word. Words produce thoughts. Thoughts produce feelings. Feelings produce beliefs. Listen, you can say you believe certain things, but you really act on what you really believe, and you really believe what you really feel. You can say all day long you believe the Bible's the final authority and everything in it's true, but then when it comes to finances, if you don't believe it, you won't act on it. Then when it comes to unforgiveness, if you don't really believe what the Bible says, you won't act on it. So belief produces actions. Actions, the more you take and produce habits. And you are known by your habits. Your habits... What you do on a regular basis is your character or your level of integrity. And whatever character you have, that's the foundation for your destiny. Uh, if your character cannot sustain the destiny that God has for you, you won't make it there. Uh, if we do this in reverse, negative words equal negative thoughts. If you hear the wrong words, you're around the wrong people, they're speaking the wrong things into your life. If um, you're watching the wrong things, if you fill your mind with the news on a regular basis, if, um, if you're speaking negatively, slander, gossip, those wrong words produce the wrong thoughts. The wrong thoughts produce the wrong feelings. Wrong feelings produce the wrong beliefs. Wrong beliefs produce wrong actions. Wrong actions produce wrong habits, produces wrong character, and gets you not to where God wants you to be, but it gets you somewhere else to a wrong destiny. And you know, you may have had the wrong words spoken over your life or out of your mouth 25 years ago. Because uh, that's what the seeds are words. And the way we water these seeds is with our thoughts. So maybe someone spoke something negatively in your life 20 years ago. Now listen, if you continue to water that seed by dwelling on it, even if you are only one degrees off course, if you are only one degrees off course, if you walk one degrees in the wrong direction for 20 years, you'll be thousands of miles away from where you're supposed to be. Now here's the good news. At any point in your life, you can go back to the beginning. You may have horrible habits. You may have done some things you thought you'd never do. Uh, you may believe lies from the devil, but at any point in your life, with any area of your life, you can go back to the beginning and simply start over today with God's Word. Because if you want to get to where God wants you to be, then you have to start with what God says. You understand? You can't, we can't expect to get to the destination God has for us without starting, with what God, without starting with God's Word. God will only finish what He starts. If He didn't start it, He won't finish it. We're okay, right? Everybody's good? Okay, just make sure you're like, oh, this guy's weird. No. So, so now if, let's say you have a bad habit. You can go backwards and you can just rotate back and see at which point did I get off of God's course for my life? Why do I act the way I do? Well, let me ask this. What do you believe about yourself or about that situation? Where did that belief come from? You're feeling something that you've been dwelling on. What words have you been dwelling on and you go back? Okay, so we're good. So part two today with, for your notes, I want to talk to you about thoughts. Thoughts. This is part two. Last week we talked about part one, which was words. Today is thoughts. The way Satan attacks you is in your mind. Your mind is the playground for the devil. Listen, the devil, can, can, the, the demons cannot come from the, nat, from the spiritual realm to the natural realm and open up your wallet and take the money out and throw it away. They can't do that. The, the devil can't, he doesn't destroy your finances. The devil can't come into your home and the devil can't open up his mouth and speak negatively to your wife. The devil can't do that. 
Um, the devil can't um, um, uh, uh, come into your job and the devil can't look at you and say, no matter what happens, you're going to have a bad attitude today. And you listen. That's not how it works. The way the devil attacks us is in our mind. Everything starts with a thought. And it comes from either God's word, Satan's mouth, or it comes from our own, own minds that are things that we've, we've, that's been spoken over us. But that, that's this playground for your finances. Everything starts with a thought. Psychologists finally caught up with the Bible, and they even tell us our life goes in the direction of our thoughts. So knowing that your life goes in the direction of your thoughts, how much should we be thinking about what we're thinking about? Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, A man thinks, so he will become. It doesn't say, as God thinks, so you'll become. I wish it did, but it doesn't. It doesn't say, as your pastor thinks about you, so you will become. It doesn't even say, as your spouse thinks, so you will become. So if there's something you've become in some area of your life that you don't like, you can't blame it on everybody else. <laughs> it was some kind of a seed that was planted in your mind, and you dwelt on it long enough to where it took root. And now it is controlling the order of your life. Uh, the, the lies are steering, the steering wheel of your life. If there's a place you don't like where you're at, I can tell you it started with a thought that came from someone's mouth. Someone, something that was spoken over you even as a child. And you've let it take root on the inside. And you don't even know why you do the things you do, but it came from your mind. And so God is very specific with the things we should, we should fill our mind with. Uh, Philippians 4.8 says this, fill your minds with whatever. In other words, find anything, anything, I mean whatever. If you're in a situation at work and you can't get out of it and 99% of it's negative, dwell on the 1% that you can find that is true, right, pure, holy, friendly, and proper. Why should we fill our minds with those things? Because if you put pure things in, pure things come out. If you put truth into your mind, then truth will come out of your life. Um, our mind is like an incredible computer. I'm a Mac kind of guy. I don't know, are y'all any Mac people in here? Okay, Mac is the, man, really that little bit of Mac people? So anyway, so you could buy the most expensive Mac computer there is. The creator of that computer designed it to program very efficiently. Um, the creator designed it to uh, be fast and to do great things. But if you take that computer and you give it to the wrong person, the wrong person can download viruses under the computer. I know you've heard about viruses. They destroy from the inside out. You can download the wrong software. And then all of a sudden, even though the creator intended for it to function fast, it's now functioning very slow. It's not producing what it was created to produce. There's nothing wrong with the, with the computer. The problem is the software that's been put into it. And everywhere you go, in every circle of friends you have, in every meeting, with every television show, with every book you read, you are being downloaded onto. Bites and bites of information are coming into your soul. And you might not realize this, but whatever is inputted is what's going to be outputted. And we can't control how people treat us. We can't control the economy. We can't control our teachers. We can't control them. But you know what we can't control? We can't control what we allow to be downloaded onto the computer of our mind. Amen. Is this good? Yeah. Okay. Right now, I hope you're downloading. I love my pastor. <laughs> so whatever you download is what's going to come out. That's why these are the things we should be downloading. You have to ask yourself, the, the, the things that I allow to be um, put inside of me by friends, by people, by things I watch, things I music I listen to, does it line up with this? Because listen, if it doesn't line up with this, I don't care how much you love Jesus. If it doesn't line up with that, then that's not going to come out. 
If you don't like things that are coming out of your life, you got to change what's being put inside of your life. If you want to change your life, you have to change your software. So I have four points for you today. Normally I have three, but I'm going to give you a fourth one just because I feel really special today. Just like, oh, today needs a fourth point. So number one is this. Recognize. Everybody say recognize. recognize. We have to recognize the source of the thought. Now, it's interesting. Children are much better than this than adults are. If I were to bring the kids from Children's Church in here and I said, okay, listen, this person is speaking a lot of bad things and gossip and slander, and this person's filling people with faith, which one's of Jesus and which one's of, of the devil? And they say, well, the devil's the, the gossiper. Good job. Then we go to this child. Okay, the news is filled with murder and rape and all kind of horrible things, but this show is filled with positive things that make you want to love your family and be faithful. Which one is Jesus and which one's the devil? What the devil's the news? See, the kids are so smart. They're brilliant, right? They're brilliant. But if you ask an adult, an adult will say, well, I mean, I've known them since high school, so i got to hang out with them. i got to know what's going on in the world. If I don't watch the news, I won't know what's going on in the world. Yeah, that's helping you a lot, isn't it, right? Knowing what's going on. So we make excuses for what's being downloaded onto our software. But if your thoughts come from the wrong source, it will always produce the wrong things. Uh, one of the greatest questions we can ask ourselves is, where did this mindset originate from? In other words, the way I think about women, the way I think about sexuality, the way I see marriage, where did those thoughts originate from? Did it come from leave it to beaver or keeping up with the Kardashians? You know, <laughs> Which one has been installed into my hard drive? The, the way, the way I, I, I see people of a different color skin than me, where did that come from? Did it come from what my friends said on the playground? Did it come from what the news said? Where did that originate from? Because there's things that you've been feeling in your life that you were never intended to feel. And you feel that way because you've downloaded the wrong things under your hard drive. If, 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 and, and you, the, 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 maybe you treat your wife the way you saw your father treat your mom. That's okay if he got it from the God's word. Maybe he got it from his dad, who's your grandfather. That's fine if he got it from God's word. But the only way you're going to know if it lines up with God's word or not is if you get in God's word and find out. Because a lot of you, the things you, the things you post on Facebook, the actions you take, or the way you treat people, it doesn't seem like the origin was the word of God. It seems like that came from somewhere else. And for the rest of your life, you're going to continue to do And you're going to think that everyone else is the problem. But the thing is, it doesn't say how everyone else thinks so you will become. It says what you think so you will become. Um, I read a true story, true story about this um, uh, large um, uh, mommy dog. She was filled with puppies on the inside of her womb. And one day she was walking across the street and a car hit her. And the car hit the back two of her legs. And she hobbled off to the side and, um, and someone found her, but they didn't know to take her to a vet. They just kind of took them in their home to take care of her. And her legs healed, but because she never went to the vet, they didn't reset them properly. So even though they were healed, she couldn't use them. So the way the mommy dog got around was just on her front two paws. She would drag the back two legs all around the house, all outside in the yard. Uh, several weeks went by, and finally she had her puppies. And the puppies seemed so healthy, so alive, so beautiful. But about three weeks into their life, um, they discovered that all the puppies were walking around on their front two legs and dragging their back two legs. 
So they thought that was funny. So they took the dogs to the vet. They thought maybe the dogs gotten a, uh, they were hurt in the accident as well. The vet checked them out and said, these puppies are perfectly normal. The problem was they were copying their mom. That's all they had ever seen was to drag their back legs. To them, it was normal. It was normal to act like that because it's all they had been, all that had been downloaded unto them. Okay, listen. There's nothing wrong with your back legs. The people that raised you may have dragged their back legs. The people you work with, they may drag their back legs. The people you hang out with, they may drag their back legs. And if you keep letting that get inside of you, then you will continue to drag your back legs. But I'm here to tell you, you're perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with your back legs. The problem is you have the wrong mindset downloaded on your computer. Recognize it didn't start with God, so you're not going to be able to end that part of your life with God. If you want His blessing in that part of your life, you got to go back to what His Word says and download that onto your computer. So number one is uh, recognize. Number two is this. Reject. Reject. There's a delete button on every computer. You have to learn how to delete the wrong mindsets. Delete them. If you don't delete it, and if you just hear this sermon, leave here today and think that was a good sermon, you go about your life without learning how to delete the wrong thoughts, then those seeds are going to take root. The roots are going to turn into a stump, turn into a tree, a branch, and produce fruit. And here's the thing. Satan never tells you the fruit of his seeds. He never says to you, divorce. He never says to you, um, uh, you know, leave your children or... or um, you know, send your children. He never says to you, uh, quit your job. He never says to you, stop going to church. He never says to you, um, I want you to steal from your employee. He never says those fruit things because if he did, you're too smart for him. You'd say, I'm not going to listen to that. And you'd reject it immediately. So Satan plants little seeds of things like you come to church and the seed is um, uh, they didn't hug you like they normally do. And you say, you know what? No, they didn't. Satan says, ooh, I got him. And then the next seat, they were probably talking about you behind your back. You know what? I did see him saying something when I walked in. And then the next seat, you know what? They took your seat. They know you sit there every Sunday. They sure did, Satan. They hate me. Yes, they do. I'm leaving this church. Leave. He never tells you the fruit. He just starts with the seed, right? Your husband wasn't listening. This is the third day in a row that he hasn't listened when you're talking. You know what? He doesn't listen to me. And I'm a very smart woman. You are a brilliant woman. You're way smarter than your husband is. I am smarter than him. He can't even make himself a Pop-Tart. You know what? This is the third day in a row. I bet he wants to do it. He's probably cheating on me. He is cheating on you with the woman, the man at work. Oh, I'll be cheating on all of them with you. I'm leaving his butt. Leave him. <laughs> If you let Satan drop the seed in your mind and you don't reject it, it'll turn into something you never wanted it to turn into. Amen. We have to recognize and reject those seeds. So I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. It's in Numbers 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. You might want to mark up some scripture. Numbers 13 is one of the first few books of the Bible. Uh, Numbers 13. Here's how the story actually starts. is in Exodus 33 too, Okay, Watch this scripture. The Lord said this. Okay, This is, came from the mouth of God. Everybody say the mouth of God. If you'll get to the promised land, I'll send an angel to drive out everybody that lives there. That's the word of the Lord. If you will just get to the promise, if you will go into the promised land, because it's a step of faith. This is grace right here. Take a step of faith and God will do everything. Just, 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 
Just step to the altar. Just lift your hands. Just, just take that one little step and God will give you everything. It's all, all yours. Just take a step from saying it all belongs to you. And so they get to the promised land and Moses sends 12 spies to spy out the land for 40 days. 12 spies. Everybody say 12. Important. Okay, so the 12 go in there and they come back and 10 of the 12 give their report. Let's read what their report says and see how amazing our minds are, okay? Numbers 13, 28. The people who live there are very large. Okay, I'm not denying that. We, got, we understand they're large. Thank you for sharing that with the rest of the church. Now, God said he'll take care of them with just one angel if you'll go in. Just one angel. That's what God said. We understand you said they're large. Thank you for sharing. That's, the, uh, you know, in the short group, you know, in the short group you're sharing. And, you know, my husband hurt me 25 years ago. Okay, that's it. We know he hurt you. You don't got to go in detail. You don't got to expound on it. You were hurt. Now let's talk about what God said. I want to keep talking about how I was hurt. Okay, in verse 32, then they started spreading evil rumors. And it says evil, even though there's no F-bombs in there, because if it's opposite of God, it's evil. If the word of God is holy, then everything that opposes it is evil. They're evil. Now they're saying this, we're not strong enough to attack them. On top of that, they're more powerful than we are. Okay, thank you for sharing, but God said that he's going to take care of everything if you'll just step in. But you don't understand. They're large. We're not powerful. They're going to beat us. And then in verse 33, now look what it turned into. We saw giants. We were as small as grasshoppers compared to them. Oh, what are we going to do? Now, I did the math. Okay, I did, And your, your mind does the same thing. Okay, I did the math. A grasshopper is two inches tall. And an Israelite man at the time was five and a half feet tall. So according to their minds... The giants were 181 feet tall. Does that sound about right? Do you think there's ever been a 181 foot tall giant? No. The giants were actually nine and a half feet tall. It's what they had between nine and ten feet tall. And now they're giants. Now look how bad it got. And let me show you. You can get around some people one day and hear some negative things and you go home and dwell on it. Let me show you what will happen in one night's time. One night's time if you don't reject it. One night, okay? In Numbers 14, 3, all night long the people cried and complained, The Lord brought us here to die, and our wives and children will be captured. Wow. Good job. Thank you. You know, you're so smart. I can't believe you figured out that God brought you out of Egypt, gave you gold from the Egyptians, part of the Red Sea, destroyed Pharaoh and his army, brought you manna from heaven, water from a rock, led you by fire at night, cloud of the day, and did all this. Because he wanted to kill you. Because that's the God we serve. Not only did he want to kill you, he wants your wives and children to be captured. Yes, you figured out the solution. That's the answer. Is that the truth? Do you see what happened to their minds after one night? One night of dwelling. Do not go to bed with the wrong seed in your mind. Because this is what it will produce in one night. One night. You know, I always wondered... Why did God allow giants to be in their promised land? God could have allowed pygmies from Africa, two feet tall, to be in the promised land, right? He could have allowed, you know, children, you know, four feet tall kids to be there. God allowed giants. You know why? When they were in Egypt, part of the promise God said was, I'm going to take you to a land where you will own houses that you did not build. That's part of the promise. I'm going to give you a house now. If someone else was to build your house for you and you had no input, 
Would you want that person to be three feet tall or would you want that person to be a giant? Imagine going into a house built by a giant. It didn't have no twin bed. It had one of those California king-size beds, cathedral ceilings, 70-inch plasma TV. It's in the Bible. You can read it. And so all that was the promised land. It's probably in the message translation, to be honest. But anyway, and so all of that was in there. And so they were going to have homes built by giants, okay? Pharaoh was not the problem. The desert was not the problem. Moses was not the problem. The lack of food was not the problem. The giants were not the problem. Their gigantic enemy was their giant imagination. That was the problem. It had nothing to do with God. God already said, I'll take care of everything. They simply dwelt on the wrong thoughts. And it produced fearful emotions. They believed they weren't big enough. They said, we're not going in there because we're scared. And they spent 40 years wandering around the desert and never made it to the destination that God had for them. And it was nobody else's fault but what they let into their mind. It's amazing how one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. Ten bad apples spoiled 1,999,998 lives. Simply because they dwelled on the wrong thing. Now, there were two other ones. Joshua and Caleb. Two other spies out of the twelve. Here was their report in Numbers 13.30. They silenced the people who were complaining against Moses. said, listen, let us go up at once and take the land. We are well able to conquer it. It's amazing that, that two million people had the same destiny. Now listen, this is what's so funny, okay? Because we always think it's somebody else's fault. Two million people had the same skin color. Two million people made the same amount of money. They came from the same place. They were in the same church. They were all in the same church, in the same town. They all raised their kids the same way. But only two out of two million made it where God wanted. The only difference was that two were dwelling on what God said, and 1,999,998 were dwelling on what the enemy said. That was the only difference. Do you know that your mind can determine what happens for the next 40 years of your life? What you believe right now? Uh, let me list, list some names in Numbers 13. I don't know if you've ever heard of these people. Numbers 13, 4 through 15. Shemua, Shaphat, Egal, Palti, Hardword, Gadi, Hardword, Hardword, Nabi, Hardword. Okay, so these people here, have you ever named any of your kids after these people? You ever heard of them before? There's a lot of Joshua and Caleb's. You know who these people are? They're the other ten spies. We never hear about them again. No, do you know that the destination of your finances depends on what you think concerning God's word about your finances? The destination of your marriage is all up here. It's all up here. The destination of your happiness, the destination of what you believe, of what you act, of your care, it all starts on the battlefield of our mind. So we have to, we have to recognize the source. We have to reject the wrong thoughts. And then number three, we have to do this. We have to replace them. We have to replace them. And here's why we have to replace them. If you don't replace it, Satan will continue to bombard you. Um, you know, people have said, I've heard preachers say, um, you know, you control your thoughts. And you, you know what? There's a lot of times in life I can't control what I'm thinking. There's a lot of times where I'm filled with anger and I just can't control it. I'm filled with thoughts of fear and, and, and I just can't. There's times I feel de depressed and I, just have the, and I just can't control it. I can't control sometimes what's going on up here, but I can control what I put into here. In other words, I can control if I'm going to open up my Bible and read it or not. I can control if I'm going to watch the news or watch a sermon on TV. I can control what I put into my mind. 
I can't control a lot of times what I'm thinking. So when the wrong thoughts come, not only do I need to reject them, I have to replace them with the right thoughts. Or else Satan will continue to bombard them. If I just reject the wrong ones, okay, that thought of lust, that's not from God, so I'll reject that. Well, guess what? Ten minutes later, Satan, lust, right back in my mind. I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to forgive them. Oh, okay, you know what? That's not from God, so I'm going to let it go. And then Satan, ten minutes later, you know what else they did to you? You forgot about this. He just keeps to bombard you. So let me share with you a testimony that I've shared before. And I'm going to share again because it's one of my favorite stories in the whole world. Happened in my life. And it started with my son, Asher. I have five kids. Uh, my fourth child, Asher, when he was born, uh, about two months into his birth, uh, in, into his life, after being born, um, he was just screaming at the top of his lungs as a little infant, just screaming. And it takes a lot of energy for someone to continually scream without ever, you know, drinking or eating or stopping, just a continual screaming. So I took him to the doctor. They said he must have pulled a nerve in his back or something. It'll, it'll just go away. A few hours later, it didn't go away. I went back. They said, you know, we're sure that's what happened. Just massage it out. It'll be okay. Kept screaming. I went to the hospital. They said, we can't figure it out, but come back in a few days if he's still screaming. I'm like... My child's screaming, like, you want me to come back in three days if he's screaming? So I went up front to the emergency room, and I, I pretended like I wasn't a Christian for a little bit, and um, it was easy. And um, I said, I'm not bleeping, living, living, leaving this place until you bleep and fix my bleeping child. Like, do something, you crazies, you know? And so they were going to put me in the hospital, but they didn't. They put him in, and so they did spinal tap twice, CAT scan, x-rays, couldn't figure it out. They sent us to MUSC. So we're MUSC. As the days progressed at MUSC, and they were doing tests, they did over 100 x-rays. They did CAT scans, more spinal taps, on on. Couldn't figure out why my baby's screaming. They were giving him morphine, he was still screaming. More morphine, still screaming. Little by little, his body parts were stopping. As the days progressed, his feet stopped, his hands stopped, on on. It got to the point where he couldn't scream anymore, not because he wasn't in pain, but because his vocal cords stopped working. They finally did an MRI, and I'll show you a picture of his MRI here. You can see there's a malformation behind his spinal cord, inside of his spinal cord. Now, um, MUSC contacted every hospital in the world, looked online. There's never been a case of a human being this age with a malformation in that location ever. So they didn't know what to do. They contacted people from all over the world. They asked us to sign a thing if they could put him in the medical books because it was so unique. So they started figuring out we're going to try to have a surgery. So as the days progressed up to the surgery, they would fill him up with morphine to try to get the thing to, to kind of disintegrate a little bit before they tried pulling out of his spinal cord. And it wasn't getting any better. In fact, it was getting worse. And I think, what's the next picture of? And so that's what we were looking at every single day. That was our baby. Every day. Okay. As the doctors are coming in, here's what they're saying. If he survives the surgery, every one of them said that. If he survives, he'll be in a wheelchair his whole life. Or he'll have a swan neck, and he'll never be able to move his neck ever if he survives the surgery. As the days progressed, he's starting to die more and more all over. And all we heard was fear. Listen, when you're in a hospital, I don't know if I, I like to be in control. I have a problem with that. But I especially like to be in control when one of my children's in pain. That's when I want to be. Now, if there's ever a location where you're not in control, it's in a hospital. Especially a teaching hospital. And we love medical staff and we're thankful for you. We realize that's just how it is in this day and time. But every person that came in was saying something different. I'd ask a question, they'd say something different. Ask another, and every person, no one knew anything. So as I'm sitting there battling this fear and depression, all of a sudden in my mind, I remembered I played a funeral a few years before at a funeral home 
And I was, I was walking through. I was seeing caskets for sale. And there was a casket about this big. And I thought, well, that's probably just one that they can build bigger. And they put small ones. And so I asked. They said, no, that's a baby casket. So in my mind, I saw my baby in a casket. And I'm sitting there like, what in the world? I'm getting mad at God. I'm mad at every person that works there. I don't know what I'm going to do. So in the midst of this fear, in the midst of this pain, I run to the nurse's desk. Now listen, this is before there was internet and flip, you know, I had a flip phone. There was no internet on the phone to find scriptures. I got some paper, I got tape, and I got a permanent marker. And I sat there and man, I had no idea how much word was hidden in my heart because I began to write out every promise from God's word I could think of and I put my son's name in it. I'll show you. Everywhere you look, Asher's the apple of God's eye. Asher's blessed with long, healthy life, godly parents. Asher will grow and leave it up there. Asher will grow in wisdom and in favor with both God and man. The blood of Jesus surrounds Asher at all times. Asher will have a supernatural healing that no man can explain. Next picture. Asher's happy, healthy, and whole. Asher will grow in wisdom and knowledge and joy. All things are possible for God. Asher's even on his hospital bed. Asher's doctors have been given godly wisdom. Why? Because I prayed for him to. Go back a slide, please. Asher will fulfill his destiny. God sent his only son to die so that Asher could have eternal life. Take me to the next one. Even when they're wheeling him out to surgery, they come and one guy had on a, a turban, like a, you know, really long, and I'm assuming he wasn't a Christian. Maybe he was a Christian, but when he saw the scriptures, I don't know what he was saying, but he didn't look happy. But it didn't matter because whoever walked in that room, you had to be filled with God's word when you were in that room. As they're wheeling him out for surgery, you could see the scriptures just flying in the wind. They come back four hours later. They said the surgery went well, but we have no idea what the outcome is going to be because we've never done this before. They said the best case scenario is that three months from now, his body will start working again and maybe some of his hands and feet. They said, but we don't know what's going to happen with his neck. We don't know if he'll walk again. We don't know. They said you have to stay in the hospital for three more months. Three days after the surgery, everything began to work perfectly, and they sent us home. Now, you can tell me all day long that was happenstance. You can say that was just, you know, that was just good luck. You can say the doctors were smart and they knew what they're doing. Listen, you idiot. The only reason that my child is alive is because God's word came out of my mouth and proclaimed he would live. God said it. Just because God said it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I have to get my life, my mind, my thoughts lined up with what God said. Man, even though they were telling me he was going to die, when you get God's word all around you and you have people of faith that speak into your life and you're in short groups that are filling you with faith, you begin to feel that rise up in you and you believe that maybe God's word is true and then you act on it in prayer. And it becomes a habitual part of your life and your character can sustain the destiny that God has for you. But it always starts with God's word. Joshua 1.8 says this. Oh, let me show you another picture. Reverend Randall came and prayed, my bishop up there. And then, then my son, I brought my boy home. <laughs> and there's Eli next to him. Okay, Joshua 1.8. Is that what's next? Meditate on God's word day and night, and you will prosper and have good success. If you want to have prosperity and good success, you got to meditate on God's word. Now, if you don't know God's word, you can't meditate on it. It's hard to meditate on something. You don't know. <laughs> That's why we want you to know God's word. So my last point. Oh, no, not my last point. Sometimes in our mind we think this. God's done with me. God's finished. I've made too many mistakes. You have to delete that 
and install Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in me will continue until it's fully complete. Man, this addiction's got me. My mom died of this addiction. My grandma died of this addiction. Delete that and put down John 8.36. If the son sets me free, I'm free indeed. My child's doing so bad. He's a wayward child. I don't think he's ever going to come to know the Lord. Delete Joshua 24.15. It's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. You say it even when you don't feel it. You get it in your mind even when you don't believe it. That's why you think it, so you will believe it one day. I'm unattractive. Nobody loves me. I'm not going to find that person. Delete Psalms 139.14. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't, there's a billion people on the planet. How can God care about me? Delete Jeremiah 31.3. I've never quit loving you and I never will. Expect love, love, and more love. There's nothing wrong with your two back legs. It's just a bad mindset. You have to delete it and install faith under your hard drive. Number four is this. Renew. And I'm going to close with this point. Now, I personally think this is the most important point of the whole sermon. Because it says in Romans 12.2, if you want to transform your life, it doesn't happen by coming to church one time and hearing a good sermon. If you want to transform your life, the scripture we just read earlier said to meditate on God's word day and night, not on Sunday morning. It says you're transformed by the renewing. That means over and over of your mind. One translation says let God transform you inwardly by changing the way that you think. Um, one of the curses of being a pastor is whenever you go out in public and you're somewhere and someone finds out you're a pastor, they want to tell you all their problems. So when people ask me what I do, I tell them I work at a nightclub. And then they, <laughs> then they think I have problems. So it's just, you know, perfect. But anyway, I'm just kidding. So I was at a, I was at a doctor's office the other day. And um, a lady that knows me uh, came, sat next to me in the waiting room, and she says, um, oh, you know, how you doing? How you doing good? I said, well, how are you? She said, oh, I'm not doing good at all. She said, I'm having so many problems in my marriage. She said, you know, and, and I just I can barely go to work because I'm so full of fear and anxiety, and my finances are bad. I don't even know if I'm going to pay for this doctor's visit. And I, I said, okay, stop. I said, where do you go to church at? She said, well, I stopped going to church. I said, really? I said, why don't you come visit us at Solidar? I don't have time to go to church. I'm dealing with my dead dog, and I got my husband, and on, on and on she's going. I said, okay, listen. And this is why she's probably not ever going to come to our church. But anyway, I was honest with her, and I said, listen, I'm going to pray for you right now. But if I pray for you, and God heals every single thing in your life, if he heals your marriage, your finances, your body, your anxiety, your fear, your worry. If he heals everything in your life today and you don't plant yourself in a church and you don't get faith-filled friends and you're not in a Bible study and you're not meditating on God's word. Listen, a month from now, you're going to have the same problems you had. The same thing because you're renewing your mind with the wrong things. If you keep putting the wrong things in... The wrong thing is going to keep coming out. And she moved and sat somewhere else after that. But either way, I prayed for her. <laughs> okay, so Psalms 1, 3, 1 and 1, 3 says this. Blessed is the man. I want to show you the order of life in this. Okay, so get ready. Blessed is the man who finds joy in God's word. Everybody say words. words. Okay. He habitually meditates on them day and night. Everybody say thoughts. thoughts. Okay. He shall be like a tree that is planted. Everybody say beliefs. By the water, producing fruit. Say action. Every month. Say habits. Everything he does will prosper and succeed. Say destiny. Listen, it's all through the Bible. It's all, if it starts with God's word, you'll love where it ends in your life. So in this analogy, you and I are the tree. 
And the word of God is the water. You see that in this analogy. You'll see that same thing all through the Bible as well. In John 4, 14, when Jesus talked to the woman of Samaria, uh, she said, uh, he said, the living water that I give is a spring within him. Now, the spring's within him. You see? The way the word works is it changes you from the inside out. We're so focused on the symptoms. We're so focused on the outside. We're so focused on what we see and what we feel and what's going on around us. We spend 20 minutes to make our face look good, but we only spend 20 minutes a week to get our soul healthy. I bet if you would spend the same time you spend putting on makeup, Bob, every week in the Word. I'm just kidding. If you spent every minute that you put on makeup in the Word of God, you might get to the place where you are just as confident without makeup. Bob. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So anyway, so <laughs> that's a toupee he's wearing, by the way. Anyway, so all of these, all of these ping pong balls, they represent thoughts that Satan bombards your mind with. I mean, there's lustful thoughts, there's fearful thoughts, worry, anxiety. It just keeps coming along. Something's going to happen to one of your kids, and you're never going to be happy in your marriage, and um, God's never going to answer your prayers, and all these lies from the devil. They just keep coming, and they keep coming, and they keep coming. And, you know, sometimes we get around the wrong people, and the wrong people install the wrong stuff into our mind, and sometimes we watch the wrong television shows and the news because we got to watch the news because it's just so good and so encouraging. And so we watch the news, and then we get on Facebook, and we read the wrong things. And, oh, no, and that's, this is what our mind looks like. This is what it looks like. It's just filled with all this nasty stuff. And, you know, if there's ever a part, if there's any part of your life that stinks, it's because your mind stinks, you know, and, and it was funny as we can't smell our own B.O., but everybody else can, and sometimes we think we're just so good, and everything, we're perfect, and, and you know, everything's good, and I'm fine, but other people, they see you from a distance, and they can see all this on the outside, and so when you come to church, it feels so good, because we hear the word, and we get some water from the word in us, and man, Sunday's just so nice. And that was a great sermon. It changed my life. And we feel so good. And the words all, oh, and, so, and, oh, and then we just stop. And then Monday comes. Nothing. Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, we might go to another Bible study. That's fun. Oh, that felt good. Oh, a little bit comes out. Thursday. And we have these lies. And, and, and these lies... Believe it or not, they're actually steering your life like a car. They're steering your life. And you might not see it, but the, the way you handle your finances, the, re the reason you, you steal from God, it, it, you don't tithe, it's because there's some stronghold in there. All churches want is money. That's all they ever want. It's all they ever can. I'm, I'm going to prove it. I'm not giving any money. Or, or your relationship. I can treat my wife however I want to because, you know, she's a woman and I'm a man and I make, I make more money than she does. Or whatever, this, whatever lies you have. Or they're, they're treating me bad because of, you know, because they don't like me because of the color of my skin or because I'm not, I don't live at Market Common like they do or whatever lie. I mean, there's all kinds. Of, you'd be amazed what a mind can do. But when you put God's word inside of you, the lies can't stay. And when you get more and more word, and the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 26, Christ loved the church and he gave himself for the church that he might sanctify her. That, that's referring to your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions by cleansing her by the washing of water with the word. Here's what it says. Take a bath every day. Don't just take a bath on Sunday. 
You need a bath every single day because the more you get God's word inside of you, the more Satan's lies can't stay inside. And we're, a lot of times we're focused on, did that lie come from Satan? I, why do I think that way? And that's fine to recognize it, but don't waste time recognizing and talking about the root and how bad it is. Just get back to God's word and pour more of it inside of you. Because the more God's word gets inside of you, the more Satan's lies can't stay inside of you. And at one point they all fall out. And here's the funny thing. Satan will still try. But no matter how hard he tries, when you're filled with God's word, it just bounces right off of you. It only stays on the surface. He's not going to stop attacking you. But if you're filled with the right things, it'll never get on the inside. And that's our goal. When you're filled with the word, there's no room for anything else. So instead of worrying about the line, why do I think that you just shut up and go back to the word. Get it in your mind and then walk back out of your bedroom and everything will change. If you're at work, get your Bible and go in the bathroom. You know? Go to the throne, on the throne. Go to the throne of God while you're on the throne and just say, God, I need you. Give me a scripture. What do I need? Oh, come on. Okay, the Lord's favor surrounds me like a shield, like a shield, like a shield, like a shield. The Lord's favor, His favor, His goodness, His favor, it surrounds me. It's before me, behind me, above me, underneath me, surrounds me like a shield. Then when you come out the bathroom and you're back around those yo-yos at work, you can smile. Because you got God's word on the inside. And you can love the yo-yos just like God loves the yo-yos. When God's word's on the inside, it'll always steer you in the right direction. Amen. 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 Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our communion team can come down. Musicians can come up. Prayer partners can come down. I want you to close your eyes just for a minute. And I do this because I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I don't want you to leave this place having just heard a good sermon. I want you to leave this place with God saying, I want to do some changes in your heart. I want to... I want to connect with you on a deeper level. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you if you'll just give a second. Just give a second. As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, if you're here today and you know that there's been a battle going on in your mind, and this battle has been preventing you from being happy in certain areas or certain times. This battle is hurting your relationships, maybe. This battle, this stronghold that was downloaded unto you in some way, somehow the enemy got to your mind. Somehow he told you a lie that you started to believe. Somehow you, you're afraid to join a church or afraid to, to apply new jobs that may be far more you know, advanced than what you think you can handle or whatever fear, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. If there's something that's been messy in your life and you recognize today it's nobody else's fault, you just haven't been rejecting the wrong things and replacing it with the right things. I want to pray for you. So I'm just going to ask you to just put your hand up as a sign of faith and I'll pray for you right now. Just leave the hands up just for 30 seconds. Lord, every person in here, by the sound of my voice, had the faith to raise their hand and say, I need Jesus to change me from the inside out. Lord, begin to change them. Uh, thoughts of, of, of suicide. Thoughts of, um, thoughts of uh, there's nothing you know, special about me. Thoughts of comparison. 
Well, uh, she's prettier than me, or he's more talented than me. Thoughts of, 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 of worry, thoughts of fear. The dreams are never going to happen for me. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. The thoughts of I can't be used by God because of the, the thing that I did you know, years ago. Whatever the thought is the lie, I rebuke those lies and I send them back to hell where they belong. And by the sound of my voice, every person with their hand raised right now, Lord, I ask that you begin to install unto them your word, your promises, something from your mouth, not the mouth of parents, not the mouth of society, not the mouth of television, not the mouth of even their closest friends, but the mouth of God himself. Lord, download unto them your promises and convict us to meditate on that if we got to get it tattooed on our foreheads backwards so every time we look in the mirror we can read it, we'll do whatever it takes so that we do not walk around this world being filled with the lies from the devil. And I just speak God's word over your life today as the final authority with how you feel, what you think, and what you believe. I speak it right now in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen, 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 amen. Thank you so much for coming out today. We're going to continue to close with altar ministry and communion. And um, after that, if you're visiting with us, uh, I would love to meet you personally in the fellowship hall after service. We have another gift for you. You come back there. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Y'all can worship with us. And at any point during this song, at any point during the song, you can examine your heart and uh, take Holy Communion if you did not earlier. And um, thank you so much for coming out today. And I appreciate you being here. Try, try. 